Hello and welcome to today's episode of ESIP's Global Economy Podcast. My name is Matthias Bauer and today we want to talk about data in the economy. How data is currently being shared among businesses, between businesses and individuals, how data could be used in the future and how policymakers in the EU think data should be used in the future. Now this is admittedly a very wide topic, which is why in this episode we narrow the focus a bit. We particularly aim to talk and learn more about already established data sharing models in industry, such as data sharing platforms in the realm of the Internet of Things, which, believe it or not, is already unfolding in Europe. And we want to talk about the EU's proposed Data Act regulation, which, among many other things, aims to define new rights for data generators and the users of data, with the overarching political objective to stimulate data sharing in the EU, and by doing so, help Europe to close its digital innovation gap. And our special guest today is Dr. Siko Lehmann-Browns. Siko is the Senior Director of Research and Innovation Policy at Siemens, one of Germany's oldest and largest industrial and technology conglomerates. And he is also the chairman of the working group on data and artificial intelligence at Germany's Electro and Digital Industry Association, ZWEI, uh, which is one of Germany's major business associations. So, Siko, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Matthias. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, we are very happy to have you here. Uh, before we dive into the topic, uh, may I ask you to give us... Uh, some insights about your own educational background, your professional career, and perhaps also explain in a nutshell what you currently do in your job at Siemens. Yes, sure, Matthias. My professional background is that I once studied philosophy and theory of science in Berlin, afterwards made a PhD thesis in that field and then worked at the Max Planck Institute. And then I decided to leave science because I'm uh, very interested in, in practical applications. And um, that was the time when the field of research and innovation policies started in Germany. And I went into that field, worked for the Max Planck Society in the field of research and innovation policy, then changed to Akatech, that is the German Academy of Science and Engineering, which is very active in innovative issues and giving science-based policy advice. This was a very um, interesting time when Industry 4.0, for example, came up. I supported this with Akatech. And then some uh, seven years ago, I changed to Siemens, where I work now in the technology and innovation management department. And yeah, what, what are my current activities at Siemens now? It's the interface between the inner technology world and innovation world of Siemens and the outside world of politics, of associations. You already mentioned the ZVEI, where I'm very active as chairman of the working group on data economy and artificial intelligence. And the overall goal is to make clear what are our Siemens visions, our Siemens ideas on new technologies like AI or like 5G, 6G or the industrial metaverse or data-based innovations, or the things that now transform industry and that are very exciting. 
And we want to bring them also into public dialogue and, of course, also into the political decision-making process and yeah, to address this interface between Siemens technology and the world of politics, association, think tanks, and uh, also science institutions. That's where I have the honor to be active. I really love this field because I think these are the topics that shape uh, our future. Well, thanks a lot. I mean, yes, I think you're right. These are the topics of the day. And I think in a way you are a rare blah, you know, being a philosopher in uh, one of Germany's largest and commercially most successful companies. At the same time, I feel that, and I think you, you mentioned this, you touched upon this, uh, the debate about morality, ethics, and values, it is getting increasingly important when it comes to uh, the challenges that many people associate with the process of digitalization and also uh, how data is being shared and used in the future. So it sounds like an incredibly interesting career. And I think this also puts you, your job at Siemens in particular, it puts you in an excellent position to identify and shape industry trends um, uh, for data-driven business models. Now, let's talk a bit about data sharing models. Germany's Electoral and Digital Industry Association has recently published a conceptual paper which outlines key characteristics of already established data sharing models in the, how it's called, electoral and, and digital industry. And in your capacity as chairman of the working group at the association, you contributed a lot to this paper. The, the key ambition of the paper was to create a better understanding of different roles that different actors that engage in industrial data sharing take and how these actors actually already cooperate to create what is important and that is trustworthy data spaces. Now, could you explain to us uh, who these actors generally are and how these models of cooperation with regard to data sharing typically look like already today? Yes, sure. Uh, I start with the models of cooperation. You know, we looked at the market and analyzed what is already in place, what already is now available at the market regarding data sharing models in industrial B2B. That was our focus. And uh, what did we find? We, we found five different types of existing data sharing models, and they can be differentiated by the different kind of data they use and by the different kind of value creation they offer. Out of these five, there are three where we see they are really very, very important and already there are many examples at the market in industrial B2B. It's first of all, the Internet of Things platform that is relevant for asset optimization. That's why we also call it asset optimization platform. This is a platform type that actually focuses on usage data of IoT devices in industrial surroundings and uses these IoT devices in order to create added value also for the device producer, for the device user, and for service providers that help uh, to make the device actually more efficient and, and to improve it. So this is the first type, and I think there is a lot of potential within this type of, of asset optimization platform. Second type we see that is already also very active on the markets is what we call content platform. That's using data from products, enabling virtual operations and optimization. For example, by using simulation technologies, and this can also be a starting point 
really into the virtualization of industries, into autonomous factories and things like that. So the content platform is a second type. And uh, the third type we already also see is the transaction platform where demand and supply data is used in order to enable transaction between companies in industrial settings. So these are the three main types we saw. And beside this, there are two other types. One type is what we call data marketplaces. It's very uh, prominent now in Germany, at least in the discussion concerning Catena X that tries to optimize the supply chain based on data usage. One type and the second type, which was also a lot into public discussion, is the uh, so-called data trustee, which we see is uh, especially relevant when it comes to using personal data and to guarantee sovereignty about personal data and to structure the usage of personal data, for example, when it comes to using patient data in the health industry. So these are the five types that we discovered. And our uh, point of view is to have a look at what is right now active on the market because we see data-driven economy in the industrial B2B is just taking up in Europe. Okay. Well, I mean, there's a lot of, lot of stuff going on. I mean, asset optimization platforms, uh, content uh, data platforms, also with regard to the development of the digital twins uh, applications, uh, transactional platforms. Now, when you look at these models, you can identify different worlds of actors. Some are the data users, some are data generators, and others are those who operate the platforms. Now, what would you consider business conditions that are conducive to cooperation between these different actors? Well, I think very important is that we have this, what we might call a data spaces. And these data spaces, they help these different types of companies to work together. And these data spaces, from our point of view, they can be considered as perhaps something like we can call open ecosystems in industry. Open ecosystems, I think, are a very essential part of future cooperation models in industry. So, and what is important for open ecosystems? I think it's that you have a modular approach, so that you have modular parcels portfolio parcels of software, of hardware, and of services, and that you can use these different modules. They are like Lego blocks that you can use them and combine them respective to the customer. Because, you know, in industry, we have a very complex world and uh, things work very differently, whether uh, you are in a factory or whether you are in the mobility sector or in the healthcare sector or in the building sector. So, it's important to have building blocks that work all together and that you have interoperable data so that even there can be a cross exchange between these different sectors in order to leverage the business potential of all the data. And the second point is very relevant here as well from our point of view. It's the openness because you want to uh, interact with different stakeholders, with different companies from different backgrounds. So you, you need classical industry partners who have the domain know-how about the physical assets. You need uh, software competencies. They can come from these industry firms like Siemens, which is one of the biggest software companies, although we are publicly normally seen as a classical industry company, which is of course true, but we of course also have a lot of software competence. But there are of course other classical software companies who have also software competencies and to combine this can be very interesting. And this is also true, of course, for AI 
uh, where we have a lot of competencies, but where there are startups who offer very smart uh, things and we want to combine them. And this is also true for service providers. Partly we do act as a service provider, but there are other companies. And to put all them together, I think this really can create added value for all the partners involved in these ecosystems. And that is what creates fertile conditions. That was your question, I think. And, and these fertile conditions are extremely important in order to scale because scalability of these approaches is a very big issue still. Scalability is often referred to by EU policymakers, also US policymakers. It is in a way also a political desire uh, bearing in mind that the largest so-called digital companies come and are still headquartered uh, in other places of the world, are not necessarily ingenious to the the EU or one of the EU member states, you mentioned openness or, and I would also say kind of interoperability as one of the, the fundamental preconditions for a fertile environment in which businesses can come together and create the data spaces that they need. Now, would you, when you look at the EU in particular, what would you consider the the biggest impediments for scalability when it comes to data sharing. And you can also take kind of a cross-sectoral view. You mentioned this um, business models and also data sharing models. They differ a lot when you, you know, compare the automotive sector, traditional manufacturing uh, or the construction sector. But, but I guess there are, since we are talking about data, which is in a way kind of a horizontal asset, I, I, can, I suppose that there are, there are uh, certain impediments to scalability. And also when we compare what is currently happening and happened in the past in the US, could you elaborate a bit on this as well? Perhaps uh, I'll start with a comparison to US and perhaps other world regions. I think mm -hmm. in the EU, uh, industrial data economy is just about to start. This is really uh, where we are now. I want to mention a survey that we make in the ZVI in the electric and digital industry that shows that offerings of smart products will massively increase within the next five years. But where the companies from the electric industry expect the biggest growth is actually in smart services, smart database services. 30% of the companies expect to offer them in five years. And this in a quite a traditional business area like the electric industry. I think this really should give us much to think. And second fact there, even two thirds of these companies see industrial AI as highly relevant for their future business models. So I think we are really now in this uptake phase of industrial data economy in Europe. And even a recent Bitcom survey also showed this. But of course, nevertheless, the Bitcom pointed out that two thirds of German companies are not involved in the industrial data economy yet. So I think we have a lot to do here in order to involve as many partners as possible in these data ecosystems. And in order to achieve this, I think we need interoperability. You already, uh, me too, we, we mentioned that already. I think this is important. There are some other technical issues like the asset administration shell, interoperability of data that makes it really possible to change data sets from one company to another, from one business area to another. This is important, but we have already promising approaches there. But beside these technical issues, I think it's very important to have a legally fit environment where we really can face the legal issues. That means we need good contracts. We need to build trust by good contracts. We need 
to make it easier to have these contracts between different parties. And, and we have to uh, decrease legal uncertainties regarding GDPR, for example, or regarding uh, competition law in order to make companies really uh, confident to invest into their data usage and into new partnerships in these ecosystems. So I think if we do this, then we really have a chance to play our European card with traditional strengths in mm. classical industrial domains and combine this now with a new software IT competence that we have built up over the last years, where we have strong companies as well. And to combine this also with new innovative business model approaches, new services, the whole changing towards as a service offerings. I think this is really a huge chance, huge opportunity for you European economy. But we have to use this chance and opportunities right now. We cannot wait any longer. And that's important now to start into what we also like to call industrial metaverse, where we really have a different approach compared to traditional approaches where we focused on, on hardware and on assets. We now have to transform this into the new world. And I think there in Europe, we have a good chance, but we have to take this chance up now. Let me ask a, a follow-up question. We are going to uh, talk a, a little bit more about the, the Data Act in a minute. But generally, when, you, when we look at the US, um, I mean, in terms of readiness, I, I would say that companies do not differ so much. They all want to, uh, to tip into new, to, to new markets, test and experiment with new business models. But when you look at the regulatory environment, what is your feeling? Is the regulatory environment in the United States more conducive to, generally speaking, data-driven business models compared to the EU? I think we, we cannot really judge this uh, today because in Europe, there is right now really a wave of digital regulation. And I think we have to see what will be the final situation uh, after this regulation wave <laughs> has finished, so to say, and we have this regulation in place. I think there are opportunities and there are risks. I see the opportunities because in Europe, we have a, a very value-based economy. We have certain values that are very important for us, but that are also important for other regions and people uh, all around the world. So GDPR might be one example where we really managed a high level of data protection for personal data. Of course, there are problems with the implementation and we have to be careful that the GDPR does not stiff the European data economy, but there's also a very good gold standard established with the GDPR. And if it works the same with AI regulation and data regulation, if we do not over-regulate these areas, but manage a good combination of a value-based approach with enough flexibility and contractual freedom for companies, then we have a chance, I think, to really get an advantage or at least a, a level playing field compared to other regions. Because no regulation might also not be the right way, but it's important to really focus uh, regulation on the fields where regulation is necessary, where we have market failures, where we have asymmetries or where we have issues uh, regarding, uh, for example, uh, data protection or data security. Okay. So I think we have big opportunities, but regulation has to be made in the right way. I cannot agree more. I also feel that in, in Europe, sometimes there's an, ex well, an in a way, an execution of uh, European values, where Europeans think, at least those in politics think, that European values are in a way superior to the values that are shared 
by people in other parts of the world, even though when we think of, let's say, at least a larger group of OECD countries, I would uh, go so far and say that the values of people do not differ so much in terms of their preferences for data privacy, but also values associated with democratic principles and, and, and human rights and the rule of law. But anyway, let us now talk a bit about the Data Act, which is a novel legal proposal that was tabled by the new European Commission in uh, the beginning of this year, in February. Uh, the ambition of the Data Act is to make more data available, how it is called, for commerce and society at large. At the same time, policymakers want to give consumers and companies more control over what can be done with their data. On top of that, the Commission aims to achieve a multitude of additional objectives ranging from greater fairness in Europe's digital single market to stimulating competition in data markets to open up opportunities for innovators and also uh, to make data generally more accessible for all. Now, the Data Act is complex when you read through it. It is divided in several chapters. Uh, some argue that the EU has put 10 laws, 10 different laws, very different laws in a, very, uh, in a, in a single act, which taken together makes it very hard to guesstimate the actual impacts of the law on data-driven business models, industry, and Europe's economy at large. So my, I would like to ask you, how do you feel about the Data Act and based on what you just said about already established data sharing models in the EU, companies' readiness to pick up new, new ideas, new business models and to invest, would you say that the, the Data Act is actually needed? Yeah, Matthias, a very good question. I think, first of all, it should be clear, we absolutely share the goals of the Data Act to foster the uptake of a European data economy, to get more access to data, to more intensively use value creation potentials. This is really what, what we also aim for, as I told you before. So there we are completely fine. The question is whether uh, actually the different realities in data economy, uh, for example, between B2B and B2C, are really taken into account in the Data Act because it makes a huge difference whether uh, we are in B2C or whether we are in industrial B2B, yeah, yeah. where uh, many companies interact on eye level. So we see they are already taking data economy taking up. Uh, we have uh, talked about the data sharing models. And the question is, do we really need regulation in, in these fields? And there my approach would be that uh, uh, regulation should actually concentrate uh, on areas where market failure or power asymmetries are evident. And mm -hmm. uh, at least what we see in the industrial world, in many areas, there is no such uh, market failure evident, but there are other obstacles that hinder companies to use data. And here I want to hint to the German Economic Institute, the IW, that yeah. last year made a survey asking especially small and medium-sized companies uh, what the biggest obstacles are for them using data. And the result was very clear. First of all, it was a lack of trust because they fear that uh, third parties get access to their data that are relevant for their trade secrets. So this is this lack of trust topic was point one. And point two was legal uncertainties. 
especially regarding uh, GDPR, but also uh, regarding uh, competition law and, and other topics. And so behind this background, I would like to discuss the Data Act. Is the Data Act uh, the right instrument in order to create more trust between companies? Mm-hmm. And is the Data Act uh, the right instrument in order to decrease uh, legal uncertainties? Because this is actually what, what at least uh, regarding to this survey of the German Economic Institute, the companies really need. Yeah? This is what I think is, is most important. And as you said, the Data Act is so complex, so it's very difficult to judge about the whole Data Act. But if you look at the Chapter 2 about uh, B2B and B2C data sharing, uh, we have B2C and B2B put into one chapter, not uh, regarding the differences between these areas and not really focusing on areas where there might be monopolies or oligopolies, uh, where there is a lack of competition, but following a horizontal approach in the Data Act. And, And this is what Uh, makes it a little difficult for us and why we fear the Data Act might perhaps even increase legal uncertainties to some extent. And this would be counterproductive because what we need now is companies investing into data, into their own data and into using data together with other companies, engaging into ecosystems and really taking this step into the data economy. And and what is important for that is reducing legal uncertainties. I think this should be uh, in all our minds when now discussing the Data Act and when hopefully improving the Data Act in the next steps to come. Yeah, I share these concerns after uh, having read a lot about uh, potential implications of the key provisions that you just mentioned in the Data Act. Most concerns from industry revolve around fears that IP will be distributed to others and be exploited, also commercially exploited, even though the Data Act is uh, explicitly stating that data that have been shared uh, or has been has been transferred from others cannot be used to compete in the in the same business as the the company from which the data originated, even though I would assume that it's very hard to delineate uh, what constitutes a competing business and whatnot. Others are generally concerned about trade secrets. When you talk about IP, it's also about software algorithms. And I I often heard the quote that the value chain, the data sharing value chain is only as strongest as the weakest link. And I can very well imagine that if you have to share data with others on the basis of a legal obligation, and cannot really enter into a trustworthiness check beforehand, then there is a profound risk that the data will be used and potentially abused in a way that the company from which the data originate would not like to see. Incentives to invest are key for businesses. And that we we heard a lot today. Uh, You mentioned trustworthiness and, of course, legal certainty. Given that there are these data sharing obligations and these concerns about intellectual property, patents, software algorithms, and trade secrets in general, how would the Data Act, as it currently stands, I suppose there will be amendments, but as it currently stands, how would it impact on the incentives to share data and and companies to invest in data-driven business models in the future and taking this into consideration, what would be your call on policymakers 
if you had a chance to amend what has been tabled so far? Yeah, Matthias, I, uh, I completely agree with the issues you just raised and what you said. And I think we should take the opportunity and uh, step back one step and, and regard the big picture. You know, there are a lot of data-based activities to come in industry in Europe, and it's really a huge opportunity for Europe. So what is needed in order to foster and support this development? I think everything that is needed should really now be taken and be put into practice. And I think this is first of all that we have legal certainty for companies, that we have the freedom to invest and to make contracts between different com companies in order to really figure out from use case to use case, what are the right conditions? How can I actually protect my IP? How can I nevertheless share data? How can I use data from others? How can I build, for example, data pools for AI applications? All these are questions that have to be answered step by step and case by case. So an overarching horizontal regulation approach uh, seems to be very difficult because it has to take into account the very complex and very different situations from application field for, to application field, from use case to use case. So I think this is a giant task and uh, I doubt a little whether it's actually possible to do it in a one-size-fits-all approach for all areas. And I think it's actually uh, not necessary. So my advice would be, please let the companies uh, take their steps. Please help them by funding, by support for uh, data spaces, by support for technologies, by support for partnerships and ecosystems. Mm -hmm. This is important. And by uh, decreasing legal uncertainty on, on the other hand. If we do so, I think we really can take this opportunity and policymakers could really do a lot of things to help. Uh, beside the mentioned uh, topics, it would also be to really realize the digital single market in the EU, because mm -hmm. this helps scalability. We talked about much earlier in, in, uh, in this episode. So I think this uh, digital single market topic is, is of huge importance for the uptake of European data economy. And here, a lot of steps still has to be taken. And the second thing is, please let the companies decide what kind of contract they choose, which, which partners they really go together and build up these data-based ecosystems and concentrate regulation on the areas where it's really necessary. They might exist, where there are imbalances, where there, are, uh, where there is a lack of competition. So uh, let's focus on these areas where there is a, a clear evidence that this happens, their regulation is really needed. But this overall overarching one-size-fits-all approach might not be the right way forward. But please help the companies taking now their steps because it's really a huge topic. And I'm really excited about it because it will dramatically change our economy, but also our society. There are huge opportunities also to foster sustainability, to reduce a CO2 footprint, for example, to make supply chains more resilient and so on. Data usage in industry is really a big opportunity and there are so promising first steps and first models taken now that I think it's important to have a, a good ecosystem in Europe, a digital single market that helps all these approaches. And um, I'm very confident that we will have this and then we can really succeed in Europe uh, in the data economy of our 21st century now.
very rough. And also let's remind of the, the fact, or at least the quote, which was once uh, made by Peter Bernstein, the greatest tragedies of Europe when people forget about uncertainty. So what I take from what you say, and also referring to the diversity in already established data sharing models, is that uh, contractual freedom is very important to businesses because they keep control over not only the contract partners that they choose, but also the contractual provisions that they put in the contract to ensure that everyone is living up to uh, the rights, but also, of course, the obligations. Now, I think we need to come to an end. And um, I think we've had a very interesting conversation uh, with you, Siko. And I think it's it's been very insightful for the general audience, but also for policymakers. And we hope that uh, EU policymakers, the European Commission, but also those in charge of the Data Act in the member states will uh, make informed decisions and account for the potential unintended consequences. So to sum up, it's been a pleasure to uh, talk to you. And I would like to say thank you again for being our guest at today's podcast. Thank you, Matthias. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for having me here. And I'm really looking forward to continue this dialogue on how we can foster European data economy. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.